0: Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka.
1: This is Pure Opelka.
0: With Mike Opelka.
1: Only on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Hello, stunt brainiacs, and all of you who've joined the show today on this. This fabulous kickoff of another week on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. I, uh, I spend time on this show, so I appreciate when actually people listen to the show and participate. And that is why the phones are open always. 888-900-3393. 888-900-3393. We had kind of a free-for-all Friday with a lot of you weighing in on different topics And uh, today, I've I've got a host of different topics as well. And of course, of course, we'll look at what the the latest fallout from the G20 and uh, what's distracting people from doing their jobs in D.C. uh, What's distracting people from doing, oh, I don't know, journalism elsewhere. And uh, I got a couple of crazy stories that I saw over the weekend. Uh, Really, seriously, really crazy stories. Unions uh, complaining about goats, for example. Yes, unions complaining (laughs) about goats, filing actual complaints about goats. Uh, People with too much money. There are people with entirely too much money in this world. I have proof for you. I'm not taking Barack Obama's angle on this. Uh, do you remember when he said, "At some point, you've made enough money"? No, I'm not taking that angle. I'm just, I'm just saying there are people who have so much money that they decide to spend it on things that are so foolish that you, you just, you smack your forehead with your palm of your hand and go, w- "What? What the hell are they doing? It's serious stuff." I know, I know. You're thinking, really, Mike? You're starting off the show with shaming people who spend money on things that you don't think is a good idea. Well, I challenge you. I, I call you out to tell me if this is a good idea. Would you spend more than five bucks on one of those fidget spinners? Would you? I, I heard about the spinners, and you guys have heard me talk about the fidget spinners on this show. I've talked about more than one occasion. And how stupid I think they are. And yet, there are some people who tell us that they are necessary for kids who are ADHD in order to keep them in the classroom, in order to prevent them from, dare I say, spinning out, see what I did there? These, these little handheld distractions that kids who are ADHD are now allowed to have If they have a prescription from their doctor, they're allowed to have the fidget spinner. It's confusing. I know. It's very confusing to me. But the way the fidget spinner has worked its way into the educational system, not just for kids who are reportedly ADHD, but for every kid, it's irritating. And it's all part of our inability to say no both as parents and as educators. It's all part of our inability to say, hold on a second. No, you can't have that. That's, that's not going to help you. You don't need the help. You're just trying it because you want to be cool or be a distraction. And that's kind of what happened. The schools have tried to, to block the fidget spinners for other kids. But I think in most cases, unless your school... If someone has a, a child in school or a grandchild in school, niece, nephew, and the school has said, no, we're not going to let you have the fidget spinner unless you get a doctor's note, I'd love to hear, hear from you. So connect with me on Twitter at StuntBrain or give us a call, 888 900 I would love to know there is some common sense out there because right now, no. No, there isn't. And here's proof. And this is also proof that people have too much money. We don't have a license, an intelligence test for people to earn money in this country. People uh, who are not as smart as I think I am have made considerably more money than I have. So I'm not jealous. But when they do dumb stuff with the money, I just want to grab them and say, "What what are you doing? Case in point. Christine Bungay of Carroll Gardens in New York. I think that's in Queens. She ordered a custom-made fidget spinner last night. Or, I'm sorry, last month. She saw it on Instagram. She saw this uh, high-end fidget spinner on Instagram. And uh, she thought, well, that would be cool. She works for Reebok in a problem-solving capacity, essentially. She, sh- she says she is the executive showroom manager for Reebok. And that job must pay just a whole lot of money because Miss Bungay spent $3,500 for a custom-made fidget spinner in the shape of two turntables that a DJ might use. 3000 Five hundred dollars. Now, as you are thinking, my God, what I could do with three thousand five hundred dollars? Uh, that I, if if I had that kind of money to waste on a fidget spinner. What could you do with that? What would that do? Would that start your college fund? Would that be the down payment on your car? Would that pay off all your credit cards? Because this lady spent that money to have something that she said would be really cool to sit on her desk. Hmm. Now, just as you try and wrap your head around the $3,500 for the custom fidget spinner that this woman had made, um, she also ordered two more. Two more that she spent a combined... $5,500 on because they're handset with Savorsky crystals or Savorsky crystals. Well, however you say the word, you know, it's a fancy crystal company. They're not even diamonds. They're not even diamonds. She now says that she fidgets her days away. I spend for three to five minutes every two or three hours just to refresh my mind and breathe. I spin it one last time before I leave the office. I love having those minutes to myself. I just now realized that I'd been sleeping better when I started this ritual. Really? Does anyone believe this? This reporting this reporting is in the, the New York Post from yesterday. Actual quotes from this woman talking about the fact that she is now she has spent nine thousand dollars on three of these fidget spinners, custom-made. I will tweet out a link to the story so you can see this woman. The woman with too much money. She's a woman with too much money, but she's not alone. It doesn't say if she's um, a parent or the other half of someone's life. And if if she's looking for someone, I may have found the perfect match for her. Because Christine Bungay... She's 42, according to the article. And if she's single, then perhaps we can get her connected to 40-year-old Evan Branfman. Evan Branfman, who who also is from the New York area. He's a a Huntington, Long Island resident who found himself checking out those expensive fidget spinners online for months. Thinking, oh, you know, I got to have one of those. I really need one. That would be the perfect thing for me. He spent $1,500 on a fidget spinner made from vintage gold-toned belt buckles that had been soldered together, also containing those fancy-schmancy crystals. Now, really, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Whether it's a a Porsche convertible or a, a fidget spinner, who am I to tell these people, how to spend their money. But really, at least a car you can drive somewhere. But a fidget spinner, which I'm sure the um, the fidget spinner business, the, the flame out on this is coming pretty quickly. The woman who makes these fidget spinners, the woman who sells these fancy schmancy fidget spinners, even told the Post quote, right now I'm getting about a dozen orders a week and my retail website hasn't even launched yet. Well, I think you better launch that website because I I hear the clock ticking on the fidget spinners. I'm just saying. I guess there's a high-end market for everything, but seriously, folks, um, $9,000 on three fancy fidget spinners uh, I know. Who am I? Who am I to throw that first stone, to cast that first stone? It's uh, <laughs> it's just insane. Now, if you've spent money on a fidget spinner like this and you want to admit it, I would love to hear from you. And you explain to me why. It's just not something... um. It's going to sit on your desk. It's going to be out of style in a minute. It's going to be like the beanie babies that people were selling for two, three, four thousand dollars, and then a few years later you could buy them for three for ten bucks at the flea market. Just a real, I'm mean, good for the businesses, I guess. Good for the businesses who are able to do this. I just wouldn't tell them to create a whole bunch of those $5,000 fidget spinners. I think you're going to be stuck with them, too. Michael Pelka on Pure Opelka. We'll be right back with some sane news, I hope.
0: You're listening to Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka
2: with Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. You know, I just tweeted out a link to the story about the people who spent all those thousands of dollars on super sparkly and pretty fidget spinners. Uh, Senator Graham, you heard my story about the fidget spinners, about the uh, the lady that spent nine grand on three and this financial guy. Uh, what do you think about those expensive fidget spinners, Senator. It's not the dumbest idea I've ever heard, but it's pretty close. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Just uh just checking out the Lindsey Graham opinion machine. It, we'll get into Lindsey. He was talking about a couple of different things from over the weekend. He was making the rounds on the Sunday morning shows. So uh kookiness. I also received uh an internal message after I did that story on on the fidget spinners from a cohort in the Blaze newsroom Kate Scanlon who sent me a picture of a stupid spinner from Harry Potter something called a golden snitch (laughs) don't you know snitches get stitches Scanlon oh my god what are we doing people what are we doing? I, I know what we're doing. We're talking, about, we're talking about people that get caught up in things, too, today. I saw something bubbling over the weekend on the internets, and uh, I, I chased it down a little bit, and I thought, oh, my God, this is the strangest conspiracy theory I've ever seen. And it had been forwarded by several people. And when you see something and you say, first of all, This is gold, if it's true. It's gold. It's okay to say it's gold, but you owe it to yourself and everybody you're going to send it to to try and track it down. And in this case, I did. I found the source. Now, picture, if you will, the liberal snowflake watching the G20 shenanigans, watching all the stuff that's going on, especially on Friday When President Trump met President Putin and the handshake that ensued in the preliminary part of their meeting was replayed over and over in a constant loop on CNN for about 12 hours. I'm not kidding. That corner of the screen, the top right hand corner of the screen was was absolutely burned with the Donald Trump Vladimir Putin minute and a half video. So it would not be a surprise if a bunch of people lost their minds. A bunch of snowflakes lost their minds. And, and w- one of my online buddies sent me this video. And I absolutely loved it. Ate it up. With a, sopped it up with a biscuit, as they would say. And yet, that little voice in the back of my head was going, track it down. If it's real, it's gold. If it's not real, it's still funny but you have to track it down. Here is the snowflake responding to the handshake between Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin.
0: Well,
3: my is ruined. It's absolutely ruined. I get up and I go and I turn on the news. First thing I see, first thing I see is Trump. Not my president, Trump. Shake.
2: Wait, wait, wait. Did you catch that? Trump. And then she corrects herself. Not my president, Trump. And I thought, wow, that's a real snowflake. Somebody that commits to calling the president not my president as soon as they say the name.
3: Shaking Vladimir Putin's hand. And I'm like, wow. You know, I mean, and then, and then to top it off, Trump, not my president.
2: Once again, and she's on the verge of tears,
3: taps Putin on the back. It was like a tap, you know, and I'm like, there is your collusion, people. Like, if you can't, if you can't see that, seriously, if you can't see that, there's something wrong with you. There's something seriously wrong with you. I mean, I should be an investigative journalist because I God. and then and then like Trump not my president, was looking at Putin, and he started blinking.
2: Wait, what? Wait, what did she just say? Let's go back to this. First of all, she's lost her ability to even. She's on the verge of tears. She keeps saying that her Friday is ruined, and now she gets into what possibly is the weirdest, wildest conspiracy theory I had heard.
3: was looking at Putin, and he started blinking. He was blinking at him and then Putin looked back at Trump and he was blinking at Trump and they were like both standing there blinking at each other. And it was like, oh my gosh, it's like, it's like Morse code. They're communicating, they're communicating, they're, they're plotting for 220. And I felt so, I felt so helpless, you know, like I I wish I could stop it. (sighs) Just my friend is just ruined. It's just my whole weekend's ruined now.
2: My whole weekend is ruined now. If you haven't seen the whole thing, you should see it. I did tweet out a link to it over the weekend, but it wasn't the origin. I went back and started doing some search work to try and find the original video posting of the handshake heard around the world. The liberals response to the Trump Putin handshake. It's from someone named conservative mama. Conservative mama. Mama. She is, first of all, this is a brilliant actress. This is someone who has posted a few videos on the Internet, and they're not getting enough views. So uh, I will post out a, a view to conservative mama. I've sent her an email to hopefully invite her on the show, but I, I think her, her snowflake impression is really good. Her snowflake cry, her crying was very believable. And her acting, I thought, was just terrific. Tell me if you agree or disagree. Conservative mama. I'm going to, again, I'm going to tweet out a link to it because you got to watch it. Share it with your friends. Realize it is exactly what it's supposed to be. Parody. And it's funny as hell. We'll be right back.
1: Part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: I'm going to check in with the liberty-loving Latino. I guess he's not expecting to get an invite to Jim Acosta's summer barbecue. <laughs> I don't know if it's okay to call Jim Acosta a joke. <laughs> Maybe it is. It's his opinion. He's, he's welcome to it. But a little harsh there, sir. Let's extend the hand of goodwill on occasion to some of our brothers and sisters in the electronic media. Maybe we can disagree without being disagreeable. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um, Lindsey Graham, you know, thanks for stopping by, Senator. Uh, Lindsey Graham, what do you think about people who delay, who wait, who have held off on trying relief factor, Senator? What, what do you say to those people who say, well, let me just think about it? It's not the
1: dumbest idea I've ever heard, but it's pretty close.
2: Yeah, I agree. And that's why I'm encouraging everybody, do what I did. Get on the bus. Relief Factor is an all-natural anti-inflammatory that I use. It's helping thousands of people in the Blaze audience. I know this because we hear from them. For example, we heard from uh, Linda and Jay, who tried Relief Factor, the all-natural anti-inflammatory that helps remove the inflammation and thus the pain. Listen. Listen. I've got constant pain in both knees and uh, in my left hip.
1: It's just been miserable pain and I would just endure it until I was almost in tears and
4: crawling along the back side of the couch for support.
1: So I ordered it and Linda came home and I said I got this for us. In about two weeks, ten days to two weeks for both of us, we noticed the difference.
4: All of a sudden I had to start thinking when was the last time I really felt that sciatica pull. When was the last time I was very uncomfortable by the end of the day.
2: It has made a difference, just the way I get up out of bed and getting out of a chair. It's relief factor. Try the three-week Quick Start Pack for 19.95. Get your life back. Get get what I've gotten back. 19.95 for a three-week Quick Start Pack. The phone number is eight hundred five hundred eight three eight four eight hundred five hundred eighty three eighty four. Or you can go right online and go to relieffactor.com. Before we went away for the break, I played you a clip from Conservative Mama. And um, I'm sorry, I get all caught up in those clips and I feel like I got to stop them and start them. And somebody said, look, it's only a minute and a half. Can you just play the Conservative Mama clip and let us hear the whole thing? And I figure, yeah, I can do that. So... So this this is conservative mama with the handshake heard around the world.
3: Well, my Friday's ruined. It's absolutely ruined. I get up and I go and I turn on the news. First thing I see, first thing I see is Trump, not my president, Trump, shaking Vladimir Putin's hand. And I'm like, wow. You know, I mean... And then, and then to top it off, Trump, not my president, taps Putin on the back. It was like a tap, you know? And I'm like, there is your collusion, people. Like, if you can't, if you can't see that, seriously, if you can't see that, there's something wrong with you. There's something seriously wrong with you. I mean, I should be an investigative journalist because I, God. and then, and then like Trump, not my president, was looking at Putin and he started blinking. He was blinking at him. And then Putin looked back at Trump and he was blinking at Trump. And they were like both standing there blinking at each other. And it was like, oh, my gosh, it's like it's like Morse code. They're communicating. They're communicating. They're they're plotting for 220. And I felt so I felt so helpless, you know, like I I wish I could stop it. (sighs) <sighs> just my friend it's just ruined. It's just my whole weekend's ruined now.
2: Brilliant and well done and all that stuff. I tweeted out a link to it. If you want to see it, you want to send it to your friends. I uh, hope to have this lady on because she's very clever. She has a, another video that describes the day before and the day after the election, what the snowflakes were like the day before and the day after. But what makes that whole thing, this fake, conspiracy theory of the blinking what made it so funny for me was back in February and I don't know if you remember this after the inauguration after the inauguration that well the day after the inauguration was the march remember the women's march with the kitty cat hats and at that march there were myriad signs that said Free Melania, Melania's a hostage, all these kinds of crazy things. And right after that, we started seeing some very interesting stories, and they were obviously parodies as well, claiming Melania Trump is blinking the word help in Morse code. (laughs) Melania Trump is, is blinking help during her first official appearance as First Lady at the White House. This is back in February. Those stories bounced around and those stories. And now if we fast forward from January and January 21st, when the the Women's March was held to today and the weekend after the G20, when you see the stories showing that Melania Trump is experiencing quite a favorable bounce in the polls as a, a first lady. There will still be, there will always be people who are on the the far left side of the aisle who will never accept President Trump or anyone with Trump in their last name in any way, shape, or form. Uh, case in point, what happened this weekend in in uh, Hamburg with at the G20 when the president had to leave leave a meeting that was going on now here's here's the deal and i got into a little bit of a an online kerfuffle as it were with keith olbermann i'm sure you know keith olbermann is former sportscaster turned leader or, or one of the generals in the resistance resist he's always saying but olbermann posted his outrage on on saturday when melania trump was seated between Emmanuel Macron, the French president, and Theresa May, the British prime minister. It was only for a brief period of time, and it was at a meeting that was discussing, this is like a breakout session, you know, this isn't the main meeting. This was a breakout session at the G20 that was discussing something something pretty amazing. It was... It was about entrepreneurship for women and here you have melania i'm sorry you have ivanka trump who is a successful businesswoman yes she's a businesswoman who had a well-to-do father helping her get started but isn't that what parents are supposed to do isn't that part of a, a parent's uh obligation is to try and give their kid everything they can to succeed whether it is a, uh, a great education, a solid home life, maybe some seed money for what they're going to do if they finally choose to do something. So Ivanka Trump has long been an advocate for helping out those people, those women who are looking to become entrepreneurs. And she's been a key voice in this. So when President Trump had to go somewhere, why, it was perfect. It was absolutely the perfect time for Melania, who was in the back of the room, to come and sit in that seat for a few minutes and make sure the United States was representative, someone someone who is a successful business person. Well, Keith Olbermann lost his mind over this, and he put it on Twitter. And I, I, I posed the question, Mr. Olbermann, What do you have against a strong, successful businesswoman that you can't let her sit there? And and of course, he said she was not elected. She's not successful. This is not a royal family, the whole thing. And yeah, nobody wants a royal family in the White House. Hello, Clintons. But the... The volume of responses I received after Olberman tweeted back at me, which he did. He actually responded to me with his little snarkism. And Keith Olbermann's been invited to discuss this issue on the show. I sent him a message saying, the phone lines are open, Keith. If you want to have a discussion about this, bring it on, sir. Let's have a discussion. But like so many bullies... He will throw the rock and then run inside the door and hide behind his mother's skirts and never actually face the people who disagree with him. Doors open, Keith. I also told all of his his followers, the niblets who follow him, that they're welcome to join the conversation as well. And none of them have. So today's vital question, today's vital question posted on Twitter, and it's, still got 16 hours left. I'd I'd love for you to weigh in on it. What do you say about Ivanka Trump briefly representing her father at the G20 on women's entrepreneurship? Are you fine with it? Do you believe she had no business being there or you cannot decide? Because currently after after about uh, what is it, about eight hours of this. Seventy five percent of you are totally fine with it. Seventy five percent of you think it's great. Twenty one percent say she had no business being in there. So more than one in five of you think it was inappropriate, which I think is interesting. And four percent of you can't make up your minds. But go to go to Twitter and respond, if you would vote and then pass it on, forward it to your friends. I'm curious, because guess what? Angela Merkel, the woman who convened the G20, the woman who decided where it would be held. Angela Merkel didn't have a problem with it. And she certainly has enough problems with the Trump family that it's very interesting to see that she didn't have an issue. So why should Keith Olbermann? There's only one reason. Because her name is Trump. Michael Pelka and Pure Opelka. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to Pure Opelka,
2: Piero Pelka, there are um, a lot of things yet to get to today. It's Monday, so that means Dr. Wendy will join us in the uh, second, uh, third hour of the show. It's also, we're going to talk about some education and what we need to do to take care of our, um, our educational system and make sure kids aren't being molded into experiments for the government or just marketing opportunities, because I believe that's part of what's going on with Common Core and some of the other things that are happening in the classrooms. We're also going to talk about Amazon Prime, and and tonight at midnight is a big opportunity for many of you. If you're Amazon, I'm an Amazon Prime uh, member, not a not a paid spokesperson. I use Amazon Prime. I don't obsess about Amazon Prime. But I, I think there's something really interesting going on today, and it just shows you how clueless the cable systems are, and we'll get to that. Plus, I, I told you I have to get to the story about the goats versus the unions, and um, there's a Charlie Guard update as well, and today is uh, Pina Colada Day, Pina Colada Day. I'm just thinking on a day like this, on a hot day like this in the Northeast. It is, it is hot and humid here. A pina colada sounds pretty good, and for those who don't, uh, who don't drink, I- I'm sure a virgin colada would work for you. It's just one without the rum. So, uh, enjoy pina colada day and and crank up the Rupert Holmes record, right? Uh, and maybe uh, those of you having a flashback can appreciate that. Hmm. Um. Where, oh, oh, oh! We also have to get to. We also have to get to the running of the bulls. I know. Last week we talked about the running of the bulls, and I, I actually put out the call saying if anyone's run with the bulls, and one of one of our um, one of our faithful, one of our our truck driving crew, whose name escaped me. I'm sorry if I've forgotten it this morning, or this afternoon. Uh, actually ran with the Bulls a few years ago and shared the story. And to me, it's fascinating. Well, I have a story about a guy from my hometown, from Chicago, who ran with the Bulls, who made the news this weekend. And we have to get into that because if you don't believe lightning strikes twice, uh, then you need to talk to this guy. And we will share his story with you just around the corner so uh, education, of course, more G twenty stuff. I do want to get into what uh, more of what Lindsey Graham said, not just his uh, his clever comment that he keeps making, but uh, I want to get deeper into what Lindsey Graham said. Uh, he is he's quite a character, but sometimes he brings the clarity. And uh, endangered species condoms. No, we haven't devolved into the Jeff Fisher show here on a monday but the endangered species condoms story on the blaze that we have to address we'll get to that around the corner as well um and uh, i'm looking at my list here because i've got a lengthy list oh and yeah more fake news and more stupid news it's all coming up on puro pelka next hour after the break we'll be right back
0: Opelka.
1: With Michael Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network,
0: the Blaze Radio Network on demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka.
1: This is Pure Opelka
0: with Mike Opelka,
1: only on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: It is Piero Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network, and uh, very happy you're here. Very happy. So many of you reached out over the weekend with uh, good thoughts. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I kind of keep everything quiet. Stuff like that is quiet in my life. Just because. But I appreciate those of you who sent good thoughts. More than I will tell you. So um, glad you're here. Glad you're a part of it. Phones are open. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three, eight 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 nine zero zero three three nine three. I know some of you saw that I tweeted out Sunday's cover of the New York Post, which uh, had a very clever take on the Bill De Blasio speech in in uh, Hamburg. No, he wasn't addressing the G20. No, de Blasio wasn't the featured guest at a G20 awards ceremony. No, the New York City mayor was there to address a bunch of protesters. He was there to essentially throw progressive gasoline on the fires of discontent. So when the New York Post came out with its cover with a picture of de Blasio and said, "Deutschbag," bag, um, yeah, I thought that was pretty good. I thought that was wonderful, as a matter of fact, as New York City has the Familia family in mourning after the officer was killed as she sat in her police car, assassinated, if you will, and uh, leaving, leaving kids behind, twins, 12-year-old twins, not going to have mom, and another hero is gone from the NYPD, and de Blasio has decided he needed to be overseas, so the New York Post, not a surprise that they called him a Deutschbag, Very clever. But what did surprise me is that the, the New York Daily News, a very, very liberal publication, the New York Daily News came out and said um, he was terrible for doing this, too. The sub-headline reads, Blas romps around Germany as cities' problems simmer. But the big headline on the article, buried on page 8, not on the front page the way the Post did, but they still gave it to him pretty good, said, Mein Cough. So, Daily News, you get a half a point on that. You get a B-minus. Actually, pretty brave of a, a Democrat-based paper in New York City to go after this gigantic progressive jack wagon. Much more I could have called him. Uh, we were talking earlier about uh, about goats being a problem. Uh, I'm a fan of goats. I happen to think goats are great creatures. I think goats are, are um, a wonderful addition to... If I could have goats here in the, in the woods of Arden, Delaware, I would have goats on the property, but... The city won't allow it, so uh, no goats here. But uh, there, there is an area where a union is having a problem with goats. There is a, a problem that goats are taking jobs away from people. Seriously. I'm not kidding you. A union in Michigan is up in arms, furious, furious saying that a bunch of eco-friendly goats are stealing their jobs they're taking jobs away from good hard-working union people these goats have got to go seriously we're talking about goats the local 1668 of the American Federation of State, County and Municipal Employees they have they have sent in a formal protest after Western Michigan University hired 20 goats to work full-time this summer on the 15-acre campus woods, which uh, they've got a problem here. The woods have poison ivy and probably some other vines growing invasive species, they say. So the the school said, well, let's, uh, let's do the wise thing here. Let's, put some, let's turn some goats loose on these 15 acres and see what they can do. First of all, I guess I guess the goats don't have a problem eating the poison ivy. I know that you or I picked up that poison ivy and or consumed it. I'm betting it would be a problem. And certainly I know a little bit about poison ivy here in the woods because in in some of my work in my own garden, I've I've gotten a lot of poison ivy issues and it's not fun. The school spokesman said, uh, "We were worried about the people. We were worried about the people would would uh, be be having a problem with the removal of, of the poison Ivy, and we didn't want anyone to get poison Ivy on on themselves." Now, plus, do you want to guess uh, the cost savings here on using using goats?" To clear 15 acres of land versus using union labor to clear 15 acres of land? Hmm. Um, The goats do it for about 20% of the cost that the union people would do it. And let's let's also remember that they won't be using any carbon-based vehicles to remove the stuff so they won't be driving around the 15 acres with tractors and or mowers or mulchers or whatever they're going to need. And they won't be using herbicides, so they're not going to be polluting the ground or the water in the area. So how is this not a good thing? How is this How is this not common sense? The company that provides the goats is called Munchers on Hooves. Munchers on Hooves. They say, look, our our... Our employees, and I'm sure they're using uh, air quotes, our employees require very little maintenance and they are more envio environmentally friendly. The goats are uh, also, they were projected to do, do the job in X number of days. And uh, bad news for the union here. The goats are ahead of schedule, I guess. <laughs> it's almost too good. The comedy writes itself. The unions are complaining that GOATs have taken the jobs of hard-working men and women who are part of the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees. The GOATs ahead of schedule, of which the, the editorial that I read this in responds by saying, a rare feat for organized labor working on a public project... <laughs> Uh somebody I, I wonder where PETA is on this. I wonder if it's okay for PETA. Is it okay to make goats work like this? And and in the case of this this crew of twenty goats working to clear a fifteen acre campus of invasive species, do the goats get ten ninety nine or do they actually have taxes taken out? It's it's a wonderful story. I'm not kidding. Western Michigan University, a state school, has a formal complaint issued against them by a local union. Why? Not because they're hiring non-union labor. Well, in a way, they are. But these are non-human labor. These are goats that are doing the jobs that the union wanted people to do. But, you know, why... Why should we be unhappy that a school, a state-sponsored school, is saving money and is ahead of schedule on something that makes just great sense? So uh, Western Michigan University, congratulations to you. And uh, what are they, Local 1668? Come on, guys. You're not you're not really telling me this is serious. you're not you're not really being serious about this story, are you? I guess I guess they are. Now, what should we do? What could we do in this case? I think we wait and see what happens after these goats finish up their work on this fifteen acres, clearing the clearing all the stuff out of there. And then I think we start sending at least these twenty goats if not more, to Congress. I'd like to see what they do cleaning up the area around D.C. Just imagine what those goats could do. Seriously. When we get back, uh, I mentioned I mentioned the, um, the running with the bulls. And, and thankfully, somebody who's got a better memory than I remembered, it was uh, Dave, Dave from Illinois, who had called in one of our trucker friends. Kelly remembered and said, yeah, that was Dave. He ran with the Bulls when he was in his early 40s. And he said he'd go back if you'd go back. No, I'm not going running with the Bulls. And if you want to know why or why not, come back after the break. I'll explain next on Pure Opelka.
0: Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Before I get to the running with the bulls, I need to remind you of um, the great deal that I took advantage of. 1995 for three weeks of the Quick Start Pack for Relief Factor. I've had problems with my knees and my back and my neck and my hips for the past year and I thought I was on a fast track to Knee replacement, maybe even hip replacement. No matter what, it was diminished lifestyle. And um, I was introduced to Relief Factor by Brad Staggs and then by Doc Thompson. And I tried the three-week quick start pack. It's an all-natural package of a combination of things like turmeric and fish oil that are anti-inflammatory. They are, they are in my case, miracle workers. It, it helped me reduce the inflammation that was causing the severe pain in my knees. Now, it doesn't all go away, but I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm playing golf, I've, I've got a sunburn because I walked so much golf this weekend, and I'm out in the garden more, and I'm taking the new puppy for walks virtually every day when it's not raining. And I did it because I take Relief Factor at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's pre-packaged, the three-week quick start, kit is the easiest way to do it. 3 weeks worth of relief factor. It's 1995. Go to relieffactor.com and and see see it for yourself. Or pick up the phone and talk to one of their advisors. The phone number is 800-500-8384. 800-500-8384. It is relief factor. I do use this stuff. It has made A huge difference in my life. And for those of you asking, yes, I still am without any pain medication, over-the-counter prescription, whatever, since day eight. And that was in early April. So check it out, Relief Factor. Um, Last week, we talked to Dave in Illinois about running with the Bulls because I'm, I'm watching this, and on day one of running with the Bulls, there were three people gored. And uh, those people, of those people, two of them were Americans. And I thought, I did a little research on this to see who the hell would put them in, in harm's way like that. And Dave said he did it. Of course, it's been romanticized. Thank you, Ernest Hemingway. And uh, thank you. The sun also rises. If you had to read it in school, you know what I'm talking about. But a lot of people have said, yeah, we, we had to do it. It's on a bucket list. And Dave explained, Dave, who did this and had the close calls himself, said that um, these bulls can run pretty fast, up to like 35 miles an hour. So we read the story of a guy from Chicago, my hometown, who's doing nothing, nothing to help the image of Chicago. And he got gored uh, back in 2014. He's been, he's been in Pamplona I think the past 12 years, but in 2014, he got gored twice in the thigh, through one side of his leg and then the other. He spent 11 days in a hospital, and for the next two months, Mr. Hillman from Chicago needed a cane to help him walk. Now, if if I've been doing this for 10 or 12 years, and I get gored, And I spend 11 days in a hospital and then I need a cane for two months to walk. Guess what I'm not doing ever again. I'm not going to put myself in front of those damn bulls. 1,200 pounds of beef running at you. Well, Mr. Hillman decided uh, he had to get back and run. He had to do it. He said it's part of my dream. And this year this year there's a film crew with him as he's part of some documentary called Fiesta Pamplona. He's, he's going to be in the foreign runner section of the documentary. Now, sorry to say that he's also going to be in the news in a lot of places because, uh, he was gored again over the weekend. And, uh, Bill Hillman is his name, the author, uh, who has has been doing this for the past dozen years. He said that he was running and a bull named Sentido. First of all, you know the bull's name? I guess you could identify him and hope he's been turned into steak. Well, we know what happens to the bulls at night anyway. Yes, they do end up not being able to run again. But uh, Sentido jabbed at one of its horns into um, Mr. Hillman's buttocks and then tossed him in the air a few feet. Hillman claims he managed to land on the ground pretty decently. And then he turned around and the bull was back on him. And he said at the last second, these are Hillman's words, at the last second he shot me straight up in the air. The horns just went in in a really weird way and he gored me. Is there a non-weird way for the horns to go inside you, sir? I'm just wondering. Just wondering. The 35-year-old guy says he went into shock, which blunted the pain, and he walked to where the the um, doctors and and medical assistants were. He said he didn't really know he was gored because his pants weren't ripped, but the, the encounter somehow managed to pull his pants down, and the horn rammed through the guy's underwear into the lower part of his hind quarters. According to Hillman, when the medics pulled his pants down, quote, there was blood everywhere, close quote. He also added he avoided serious injury because the horn came near, but not into his rectum and avoided narrowly hitting his testicles, they, they said he needed to go to the doctor because the wound was so deep. Now, he spent 36 hours in the hospital. This is from Saturday to uh, the end of, the, I guess, the end of business on Sunday. 36 hours in the hospital. Doctors put him back together, and they apparently have inserted a small tube to allow the wound to drain. And he's able to sit and walk. Uh, I'm checking the news all day because why? Because Bill Hillman said, I'm really in love with the Bulls and I'm really in love with the culture, so it's an, almost an impossibility that I would stop. I'm a daredevil at heart. It's just who I am. He was planning on being out there again, running with the Bulls. You know, those those people I said who have too much money and spent $9,000 on spinners, Um. I'm going to take that back. Uh, I I see this guy spending money on, on this every year for 12 years. And now you've been gored twice in the last three years. And you're going to go back out today. Are you not going to be happy until you're one of the casualties? And I'm talking about one of the casualties that comes home in a bag. I guarantee you this guy is not married. And I guarantee you that if the film crew was not there... He would not be out there again running with the Bulls. Not a smart guy. He should be celebrating Pina Colada Day and not picking up the pieces of his wounded self as he stumbles through the streets of Pamplona. When we get back, let's hit some of the hard news. Michael Pelka, Piero Pelka, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Pure Opelka, half hour from now. Our friend, uh, our buddy, our pal, Dr. Wendy Patrick, uh, joins us to discuss some of the politics, some of the weekend stuff. Uh wish you were here in person because we might be able to weasel our way into a little pina colada celebration. It's pina colada day. Um, just uh, through through the course of the early part of the show, some of you have joined in and weighed in i've also reached out to our buddy ernesto at nerd Nesto on twitter because he's up to something he, I, he sent me the first chapter of his book which was really really interesting and and wonderful at the same time story of his walking across the nation most of the nation to get um to get to uh the pacific coast and draw attention to um the plight of our vets and there is a there's news on the t-shirts that he was he was making and so I want him to share it with you cuz these t-shirts are helping the vets and I'm trying to focus more on on charities and and people that are doing good charitable work I'd like to try and spotlight really vital charities and especially ones that we can use our our combined weight of importance to support, obviously starting with Mercury One and the work that Mercury One is doing. But there are, there are myriad other charities out there that I think can, can, be, um, can be pushed forward in their missions by just a little bit of financial help or a little bit of a people power, if you're so inclined. I'll give you an example of two. That I support on a regular basis and you know you guys know I support a lot of military charities and a lot of VA charities Uh, but there are two that that deal with kids one is called splashes of hope splashes of hope and if you've ever seen a children's hospital you know what a daunting place it can be and we've, we've been talking about Charlie Gard now and I can imagine what little 10-month-old Charlie Gard has been facing in hospitals with tubes sticking in them and all that stuff. And what they see in the hospital so often affects their attitude and how they handle the battles they face. And Charlie's probably not completely aware of everything around him, but many of the little ones who fight cancer, who fight all kinds of diseases during their protracted hospital stays... Many of their lives are made better when somebody comes in and decorates the place. And I've known the people from Splashes of Hope for, gosh, over a decade, maybe close to 15 years. And the whole thing came about when a woman was faced with her other half having a terminal illness and being in the hospital. And she went and visited him almost daily. And he eventually passed, but before he did, when he was bedridden, she was a painter, had studied painting and and painted landscapes, and she painted the ceiling tiles in his hospital room to try and give him something to look at as he faced the end and faced the battle of his illness. And when she left the hospital, she said, I'd like to do this for the kids' ward. And the hospital's like, okay. So she started painting walls and ceilings of children's hospitals and children's hospital wings. And it's a total non-profit. They're on a, they're on a shoestring budget. They luckily get paint from Benjamin Moore donated. And I think one of the big box stores donates ceiling tiles regularly. So they, they get the layout of the room and they get the ceiling tile numbers, and then they paint them and put them in like you would put a puzzle together. But it's just a great charity. The, and it's splashesofhope.org, splashesofhope.org. And the other one, the other one's called The Pajama Program. And you probably saw this one on Oprah. But this is a woman who heard that kids waiting to be adopted often have virtually nothing in their lives not any possessions, that when they are waiting to be adopted, when they're finally adopted, they leave with like a tiny black trash bag that has everything in their lives. Many of them go to sleep at night and don't have pajamas. Many of them go to sleep at night and, and don't have a book or anyone reading a bedtime story. So... The lady behind Splashes of Hope set out to get a pair of pajamas and a kid's book in the hands of every kid waiting to be adopted in this country. And she's made some progress. Her name is Genevieve Pituro. Oprah had her on years ago, and that helped. But Oprah's gone, and outlets like that are not around to promote anymore. But Genevieve still works tirelessly every year, collecting pajamas, collecting books to give to kids waiting to be adopted. So, my two picks today to highlight in terms of charities, if you want to take a look splashesofhope.org and the Both of them rock solid, 501c3. The majority of the money they take in goes to help the causes they talk about. And could there be any better causes than kids either fighting a fight in a hospital or kids waiting to be adopted? We talked about what, what our future looks like, and I know I mentioned in the promo I'd be talking about education. Our guest on education is delayed today. But thank God that Stacey Rippey sent me a a great article about the silent tragedy affecting today's children. It is a story that you need to read. It is a story that talks about why we have the problems we have in the kids today. And I'm not just saying kids today. Kids today, I don't want to be the old guy talking about it. But this story talks about the problems with children, that kids are being deprived of what's known as a, the fundamentals of healthy childhood. And I, I knew what it was like to grow up in a great household with two parents there. And I know that can't always happen. But that is something that's powerful when it comes to what happens to a kid growing up. But even if you just have one parent, have an emotionally, emotionally available parent who is there to be a parent and not to be a best friend to actually be able to draw the line and say, no, this is, this is where I teach and you learn to be able to tell the kids it's, it's going to be about eating right and going to sleep to be able to tell kids that, uh, that they've got responsibilities. They have things they have to do every single day. You, you have chores, to be able to turn off the TV and the computers and or the cell phones and so that the kids actually have a human communication and are not beholden to the electronic world. To get kids off the couch and to get them outside. This story is a wonderful story. Uh, it was shared with me by Stacy. I'm going to share it with you guys. And I think it's something that I don't have kids. But I can tell this to my friends who do, I can give this to my friends who do, because I think uh, the rest of us, the grown-ups here, the people that are past 50, we better start trying to build the world behind us or we're going to have a much tougher time at the end. We need a foundation being developed behind us or what's going to face us is going to be very difficult. So I know, I know I said I was going to get to hard news, but I wanted to make sure we started each, each day trying to throw a little light on good charities. And today's charities are about kids and this story about making sure we have good kids, making sure we stop um, this story, which is headlined The Silent Tragedy Affecting Today's Children by Victoria Pruday she's an occupational therapist. I'll I'll tweet out a link to it. But thank you Stacy for for sending it in. This this audience is so smart and so responsive. It's much appreciated. If you have a charity you think needs some love and attention, you just have to reach out to me. You can do it via Twitter, you can do it via email. And uh I'd like to try and put spotlights on good charities as often as we can might only be one or two a week. It might be one or two every day. We have to work on doing some good, as well as hooting and hollering about all the bad that's out there. Mike Opelka on Pure Opelka. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. I'm I'm going to get to the uh, the Washington stuff in just a minute, but uh, we have some some listeners in in the Great Northwest region. Some who live in Oregon, and um, I might have to say goodbye to you people in Oregon. We might have to. We might have to stop. We might have to put an Oregon filter. You know, you can do geo targeting. When when people listen or search, you can actually find out where they are if they're using the iHeartRadio app or if just on your computer. We can kind of identify what pockets of the country are tuning in, and we can geo target and send. Uh, some some interesting thoughts to you, whether they're opportunities, they're promotions, whatever. But I think we might need to geotarget Oregon and just block because Oregon, come on. Come on, Oregon. What the hell are you doing? Apparently, the Oregon legislature last week pushed through two bills that will decriminalize small amounts of six, six, count them, six hard drugs. Decriminalizing personal use of cocaine, heroin, methamphetamine, and ecstasy. Um, apparently, uh, the HB 2355, which is uh, headed to the governor's desk says that if the, if the person who has these drugs has neither a felony conviction nor more than two prior drug convictions on record, uh, they're going to be misdemeanors. In other words, this, this is a traffic ticket. I'm sorry, but I'm a believer in, in deterrence, on, especially on drugs like meth and ecstasy and cocaine, and heroin. Oregon, what are you doing? One of the Dems in, in Oregon told the Lund Report that um, this locking people up for using these drugs is kind of like putting them in the state pen for having diabetes. He calls this a chronic brain disorder and it needs to be treated this way. I I th- I think this is um this is this is acceptance of crime. He's they've played this. Another an, another state senator in Oregon, a Republican claims the war on drug is currently institutional racism because of how frequently minorities are charged with drug crimes rather than than white people. And I, I would tell you that's probably an enforcement racism versus uh, institutional racism. But th- this this is not going to help you, Oregon. Oregon's already got some messed up stuff about it anyway. It's a beautiful part of the of the nation, but now Haron, meth, ecstasy, Coke all gonna be decriminalized. I, I need to see if the governor's gonna sign these bills. We need to find out if, if, in fact, these bills were signed and and placed uh, placed into law. Do you want to live in a state where it's okay for people people to be bouncing around uh, just because they have a small amount of meth on, on them? God knows what they have at home. We are enabling a nation, well, in this case, a state. We are enabling a a, a state of drug users. We are normalizing the The very addictive drugs that will take us down i i'm I feel bad for people who are addicted, but to stop future addictions, you don't do so by decriminalizing or making it easier for people to sample, especially when we know we have we have Not built exactly the strongest base base of young Americans following up. We have made the the, um, adulthood get put on hold in so many people. We have a generation of folks who have just put adulthood on hold because, uh, well, because we let them do it. And now we're going to say it's okay. Cocaine, heroin, meth, ecstasy. No, it's just like the fact that you might have diabetes. It's a brain disease. Don't worry about it. Here's a ticket. Go home. Come back tomorrow. We'll we'll talk. Pure Opelka
1: with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: The Blaze Radio Network, on demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka.
1: This is Pure Opelka.
0: With Mike Opelka.
1: Only on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Welcome back to Pure Opelka, third hour of the show, kicking off a brand new week. And uh, so much to cover. I know we've covered a lot of little weird different stories, but I think these are also important, especially my quest to make sure we're shining the light on uh, nonprofits that could use help. And I will be tweeting out links to the two nonprofits I told you about earlier, Splashes of Hope and uh, the Pajama Program. They are two that I regularly support. And if you want to know more about them, they're they're both great organizations run by great women, and uh, speaking of great women, one one of whom joins us on a regular basis. Uh, usually when we kick off a week, and and last week was no exception as she joined us on Wednesday when we had the short week. Oh, I miss those three day work weeks so much. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about Dr. Wendy Patrick. Wendy, I. Uh, I hope you had a great weekend. Welcome back to the program. How are you? Thank you. I I missed you there. Are you are you with us? Always a pleasure. Happy Monday. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, sometimes it's not so. I'm <laughs> I'm mad at the state of Oregon. I, you weren't here, and I didn't hip you to this. But did you see the story of out of Oregon about these two new bills they've got? No. They are decriminalizing. Use of meth, uh cocaine, heroin, and uh ecstasy. Oh I just pulled it up. No way. Yeah, I know. Isn't that bizarre? I see I see that they're bills. Uh One of them's headed to, to even, the governor's oh desk.
4: Uh I see it right now, H B twenty
2: three fifty five. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh yeah. boy. Yeah, keep an eye on that one. It's headed to the governor's you desk, bet. so Oh. We will we will watch that. Now, uh, a couple of the issues that Wendy and I were prepped for. I, I love surprising Wendy because she always moves so quickly. I she she must have a great super when I'm on
4: the phone with you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you're very nimble on the keys. Uh, but the, This this story, I posted a vital question earlier today about the Ivanka Trump story because it bothered me that Keith Olbermann and many, many, many people who have the resist moniker out there. Uh, many of those folks were just going after the fact that Ivanka Trump was at the table and they were losing their minds. Uh, and 76 percent of my audience on the vital question poll says they are totally fine with it. But there's still 20 percent, meaning one out of five people out there still doesn't think it's a good idea. Uh this this just astounds me that they don't look past just the seat and look at the content that was going on in the meeting
4: yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think part of the part of what we see every time something like this happens is everyone just gets stirred up initially, and it takes a while to get calmed down. And you know, the, there's really been some nasty criticism. You know, oh, it's not take your daughter to work day. I mean, just the tenor of some of the objections. Now, having said that, there are others that genuinely and respectfully just wanted to know the rules. Is it true as Angela Merkel explained that the delegation uh, chooses who will sit in, even if they do have others available, whether it be Rex Tillerson or someone else. So procedurally, it appears that some of the criticism, at least that we've seen, stems not from arguably is she qualified to take her father's seat for a bit, but gosh, it's a family member and not an elected official, or it's a family member and not a cabinet member that was formally appointed. But remember the, the title she carries, whether she takes a salary or not, uh, senior advisor to the president, he was okay with it. Some of the other people there were okay with it. And there's really no rule anyone can cite that says it was in a, in, obviously not illegal. Some are arguing it's inappropriate. I think that's the farthest that we've gotten.
2: Well, it's interesting to me. And I, I, I offered this uh, question to some of the folks out there who were really going after me. And I had 10 times the normal Twitter traffic on Saturday when I approached Mr. Olbermann on this, by the way, he was invited to join us on this discussion and uh, has not responded. He got silent after Mm -hmm. I invited him. So he did respond (laughs) initially. And then once I said, well, why don't you come on the air and talk about it and nothing silence, but the, the story and, and I'm, I'm wondering if you've heard any more on this. Ivanka and and um, Chelsea Clinton were good friends leading up to right. this election. But as of March of this year, there's been no formal statement about that. I'm betting they're still talking, but they just don't want anybody to know. Well, it's interesting
4: that you bring this up because a lot of people, obviously, you know, the president was making the comparison. Gosh, if it was Chelsea that took her mother's slot that say she should run for president, there's been a lot of uh, Twitter traffic on that. As far as the relationship between Chelsea and Ivanka, you know, would like to believe that they still are friends. But in this day and age in the digital world we live in, Mike, I don't know how there wouldn't have been some kind of a leak that would have established that. It may simply be one of these relationships that even if both of these young ladies wanted to continue, It probably wouldn't even be possible. The heat that they would take would probably be unbearable. And that's unfortunate because we've seen, uh, at least in this administration so far and certainly in administrations past. Sometimes politics ruins friendships. I mean, you know, I've done segments on the air about how politics has ruined Facebook friendships to where people can't even use social media to keep up with friends and family because it's infused with the divisive nature of our political agenda. And that would also explain why as good of friends as they were before, they probably were unable to continue it. It's a shame.
2: It is a shame, and it also uh, it, it hits me because uh, I have to be honest and say I have limited some of my Facebook postings to be non-Blaze-related stuff because some of my old friends who went to our very liberal college in Texas can't deal with it. They just can't wrap their heads around the fact that, oh my gosh, he's a gun-toting conservative, and it, it just blows them away. Uh, I'm going to shift topics on you, and I want to get to, um, I have two here that I want to get to. Don Jr.'s meeting with the Russian lawyer, Mr. Beck laid out all the facts on his show today and then talked about it, but this all turns for me on one question. If I were running for office or if my dad were running for office or any family member and somebody called me and said, hey. We've got a whole bunch of really toxic info on your opponent. Why don't you meet with us? Most of us would say, of course, I want to see it (laughs) because it's it's a leg up. You know. That's right. You know, and that's
4: what Don Trump Jr. said, you know, it's Oppo research, everybody does it. The reason it's in the headlines, uh, in at least in, in some areas, remember that not everybody is making a big stink about this. But the argument is within the Trump administration, within the Trump family, all roads don't lead to Rome, they lead to Russia. And it is against that backdrop that we've been hearing for the last year that this new information comes forward. You know, it's interesting though, Mike, I wonder if it would be as headline news as it is, had Don Trump Jr. not changed his story from one day to the next. Remember first it was about Russian adoption and then it was, well, the meeting was set to occur in the first place because supposedly this woman had information about uh, Hillary's ties to Russia, et cetera. And then, you know, there's much made about, well, he changed his story, why did he do that? Why wasn't he just honest up front? So it almost becomes about procedure, not content. The more we talk about this, which begs the question, is the content even important? Which is, by the way, the point Donald Jr. is making today.
2: Well, again, procedure versus content. This is, this is another really interesting thing you brought up, because if we have really content that is innocuous, the content of the meeting is, doesn't mean anything but yet it was uh, obscured from us, the fact that it existed for a long time. And then finally we coerce the information out and we learn about it and it was something that was hidden from us. Then it seems to cast doubt on the cloud or put a cloud over what the content was. It's like Dr. Doctor, Like Judge Judy always says, if you lie to me once, I doubt the rest of everything you're saying to me. (laughs) You know, Not yeah, to go back true. to the, the law school of Judge Judy, but, you know, it's it it does seem that this administration at times causes itself more trouble by having to go back and amend their stories after the fact. That's right. And, you know, Mike, as you were talking, it also,
4: you know, you almost called her Dr. Judy. It also reminded me that titles matter. And I was going to kind of segue from that. Remember the way that this woman has been portrayed uh, in social media and online. And, and, you know, they talk, they've called her a Russian government advocate. They talk about her with ties to the Kremlin. In other words, the titles, whether they're accurate or inaccurate, they color the story. They, You know, if she were, you know, assistant to President Putin, we would be obviously having a whole other conversation. But the fact that they're characterizing this. Lawyer, one way or another, lends credibility or detracts from the credibility of the entire story. Uh, Remember what Rens Brevis said, of course, uh, over the weekend. He calls it a, quote, big nothing burger. (laughs) So labels and titles seem to get people either excited or bored with different news stories. And that seems to have characterized this story from the beginning, and we're still seeing it either wax or wane, depending on how you how you refer to it, how you refer to the people involved, and you talk about him changing a story. I want to toss in one more thing: whether or not this was reported is also at issue. Apparently, he didn't, but the other two people that were there did. Uh, was it a was it a mistake, an omission, or you know was it intentional? So there's that issue as well.
2: We have to keep an eye on this stuff, and that, that's why I rely on you. We're talking to Dr. Wendy Patrick, mm-hmm. wendypatrickphd.com, uh, author, expert, witness, all kinds of trial experience, keeps an eye on people and studies what they're <laughs> up to. Uh, now, today, Wendy, I think this latest Comey story about the leaked information, uh, I think this pops because the Don Jr meeting popped. I think this was don't look at the Don Jr story. What about the FBI director leaking classified documents to his friends? Cuz wasn't didn't we know about this before? Well, here's
4: the thing is James Comey alleged that what he leaked was not classified. And, And now whether or not we're going to retroactively classify it, you know, that's shades of the Hillary Clinton investigation, isn't it? But, you know, Comey is a very smart man. And one of the things that he did that he said he did is he discussed this internally within the FBI to decide what could be shared and how it could be shared in a. Personal private capacity so as to make sure it wasn't going to be labeled as classified. So what's going to be interesting here and there's really, I know everybody's talking about that, that piece that ran in the hill. There's really not a lot of detail about exactly how we know for sure those were classified at the time he sent them if they're even classified now. This is a work in progress. So again, we're, we're operating on a headline without really looking beneath, at least in in hopefully the detail we'll begin to in the days upcoming, to determine is this really legitimate that he knowingly violated the FBI rules, at least by sharing classified information, or are we looking at it in retrospect and saying... We now have an argument as to how we can make this document classified, even though Comey didn't know it at the time. So I'm not sure we've gotten to the bottom of what exactly happened here uh, to be able to say with any definitiveness he intentionally leaks classified information to the reporter. I don't think he would have done that. He's too smart.
2: Yeah, I would hope that the director of the FBI and now former director of the FBI would be smart enough to know that would be a problem. But yet, I listened to uh, Jason Chaffetz this morning, and he seemed to be, now that he's out of Congress and headed to, uh, he'll, I think he's getting a locker at Fox very soon. Uh, but <laughs> Jason Chaffetz sounded pretty solid in his interpretation that the information in there was either classified or high level, and neither, either way was the property of the United States government and should not have been leaked which that yeah. that's also another way into this isn't it
4: he- it is, and you make you bring up a great point, because remember that part of what came out during the Hillary Clinton investigation was that it doesn't need to have a big C on it. If it's obviously discussing information that's highly sensitive or would be considered classified, it doesn't need to be marked. In other words, remember we were talking about some of her emails being born classified, is what a lot of people were calling it. In other words, it didn't need a special marking for you to know not to share it. James Comey took great pains at least during his testimony to explain what he did, how he perceived it, as to make sure that nothing he shared was of that category, and he actually was very meticulous about it. Remember, Mike, this is a guy that's meticulous enough to actually take breaks to create memoranda of a lot of the meetings he had with the president, particularly surrounding uh, the mention of Mike Flynn, because he was worried that what he said later was going to be contradicted. So it's just hard to believe, and I suppose we'll eventually get to the truth of this, but it's hard to believe somebody that was that meticulous in one area would be so reckless, admittedly so, admitting the speaking in another I, I guess we're going to eventually get to the bottom of it no doubt robert Mueller will get to the bottom of it as well as you know it's going to be shared with the american people but it's just on its face it seems amazing that this could have occurred the way uh, mr chafis is saying that it did
2: yeah i think they threw this grenade out there today because of the don jr stuff but we'll see we'll see dr wendy patrick always a pleasure before we go three quick questions Since it is Pina Colada Day, will you be having a Pina Colada today? No, no. (laughs) Okay. I mean, you can. I'm not judging. I'm just asking. Do you have a fidget spinner? I would
4: have a virgin one, but I don't think I get a break to do that. It sounds sounds like a great idea for you.
2: (laughs) Very good. Thank you. Do you own a fidget spinner? A what? One of those things you put between your fingers and spin? No, no, I don't. I'll save my third question for another time as I have to get away for a break. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Dr. Wendy. (laughs) Thank you, Mike. Always a pleasure.
2: We'll be right back. You're listening
0: to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Is Puro Pelca with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Welcome back to Puro Pelka. Just around the corner, we're going to talk to our buddy Ernesto. Remember Ernesto at Nerdnesto? Yeah, he's got an update on uh, some of the work he's doing. He's continued to help our vets, continued his mission to help our vets. So we're going to see what we can do to help him. He's got some news. Uh, but before we get to that, I have to remind you, there are more people checking in with us and telling the same story that I'm telling you, that if you have pain from inflammation, Relief Factor is waiting for you to try it. It helped me. It's all natural, anti-inflammatory, and the Quick Start Pack, three-week Quick Start Pack is $19.95, just $19.95. Don't take my word for it. Take the words of Todd Bennett. Todd Bennett. Well, I thought we were going to have Todd Bennett here, but his testimonial has frozen. So I'll get back to that. But let me explain to you what happened to me. I've been taking Relief Factor since early April. And Relief Factor has helped me without the the side effects that you get from prescription drugs. And now the pain in my knees is gone. The pain in my hips is, is manageable. The pain in my back is pretty much missing in action. And I have not taken a gel cap. I have not taken anything over the counter just because I don't. So the only thing I'm taking is all-natural Relief Factor. It reduced the inflammation, which eliminates the pain. Worked for me. I hope it works for you. It's working for thousands. Check them out at relieffactor.com or call them. Speak to them about it directly. They'll answer your questions. 800-500-8384. 800-500-8384. It's relief factor. You need you need to do. If you're in pain, why are you waiting? Uh, when we get back, I, I do have to cover a couple of different things. Um, do you remember when Barack Obama said that insulting thing about the Special Olympics
1: basketball? I imagine the bowling alley has been just burned and closed down. No, no, oh, I've, oh, been praxi- I've been practicing. Really, really, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I bowled a one twenty nine. Very good. Yeah. Oh, that's very I'm good, sporting. Mr. President. Like, it was like
5: Special Olympics or something. No, that. that I mean, no, Remember that? Good.
2: That was June of 2009. Barack Obama said he he bowled a, a 129, and it was like Special Olympics or something. Remember that remark? Yeah, I do. Well, guess what? Guess whose wife is getting an award from the Special Olympics? Interesting. I guess they forgot about this. I guess it's okay if it's just your husband. I'm sorry, but that's a little insensitive. There's a lot of other people doing great work. Great work to help the Special Olympics. It sickens me. We'll be back with
1: Ernesto.
0: You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka.
1: On the Blaze Radio Network.
0: Pure
1: Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Welcome back to Pure Opelka. It is a, uh, a busy day. Things are flying by. I'll tell you, there's so much going on. We've covered a lot of different stories. Dr. Wendy Patrick was here earlier, and we went into some of the politics. And, of course, we covered the uh, story of the goats that are taking jobs away from the unions. And i I did not tweet on a link to that story that's coming up i 'll take care of that. We also talked about running with the bulls in Pamploma and the Chicago guy who's been gored twice now twice in the last three years and and he insists on going back i I'm sorry, but uh, third time might be the charm for the bulls sir i I don 't know if Bill Hillman gets it and I just I check in with him cuz I'm I'm always keeping up on what our friend Ernesto Rodriguez is doing at Nerdnesto on Twitter. He of course is the veteran who um graciously shared his story of walking across the country to the Pacific starting on Veterans Day last year from his home home base in Tennessee and making it all the way to the Pacific Ocean just a, a few a few months ago, a powerful story of, of experiencing uh, this, this nation on foot and making contact with people like himself who serve this country and want to make sure that the Veterans Administration does good things for those we promise to take care of. Uh, I, just, I just saw, because as I said, I follow at NerdNesto on Twitter and so should you, that uh, he's doing something new with a, a new special shirt, that is uh, going to be helping out a veterans charity. Welcome back, my friend. How are you? Hey, how's it going? Happy Monday. Happy mon. Yeah, that's you know what that is the mantra here. Happy Monday. Even though there's a a lot of people have BMP Bummer Monday phenomenon, but we, nah. we try and we try and fight it off. Um, thank you. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna give out any spoilers. But uh, Ernesto sent me the first chapter of the book he's working on. I'm very excited, sir. That's all I'm going to tell you. I'm very excited. I'm glad you liked it. And I'm, I can't wait. I, I need more. I need more. But you are, uh, you're on to this, uh, this new project with the shirts. Tell us what's going on.
5: Sure. Um, so, as you know, I walked across the country, and I, I got to meet a lot of great people. One of the organizations that I met along the route was in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, and they're called Veterans on Patrol. It's run by actually a private citizen. He, he never served, um, but he did see the unfortunate uh, outcome of homeless uh, veterans in his state. So he went on a walkabout, and now what he does is he does search and rescue missions, and he goes out to the Sonoran Desert, and he goes out to the local communities in Arizona and finds homeless, homeless veterans and brings them back to, uh, like, a tent city, an encampment. And there they get help getting their ID cards, their VA benefits, um, HUD-Housing so that they can get permanent housing while they're out out there. Uh, And he continues to do this, and and it's a passion of his. Um, And I was lucky enough to stay at one of the encampments uh, for a couple of days uh, and and see how it was, and the camaraderie was great, and and the the message is is very strong there. So I wanted to find a way to help. Uh, And I don't like taking monetary donation for anything, and this organization doesn't either. They take gift cards and they take gas cards so that they can— transport these homeless veterans to their meet, their meetings or their appointments to get their housing uh, in order. So I started a new, a new T-shirt campaign. Uh, the, the picture on the T-shirt is actually artwork done by Natalie Lopez, which is another veteran, active duty Air Force, uh, out of Abilene, Texas. And she gave me the proof, and I put oh. it on a shirt. They're being handmade here in my hometown, literally hand-stamped, um, every single one, so everyone's a little bit different. Um, and all, and, uh, half the proceeds for that, because I, you know, you still have to pay costs for t-shirt and paint and et cetera. Uh, but half those proceeds are going to go to veterans on patrol, uh, to help them with their mission.
2: Well, I, I saw the story that you posted on your Facebook page under Ernesto Rodriguez and N22. And I just, uh, shared it with my, my Facebook friends and I hope people will take a look at this. It, it really is a, a one of a kind thing. Uh, if, if you guys want to do something, if you're supporting of causes like this, it's um, it's it's a little different than getting a uh, a shirt. And this shirt is pretty powerful. I I've seen it, and it's um, wow! It's an exclusive, right? That's the one with the face on it, and the yeah, so you with the so flag that, and the walking.
5: Mhm. So the 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 shirt um, on the bottom right of the shirt is. The last picture I took before I did my five miles uh, with me carrying the flag in the backpack. And then the top left is actually me head down with a beanie on. And that picture was from, it was in the middle of Texas and it was snowing really bad. Uh, And I had started giving up and uh, I took a picture of me with my head down. Uh, It was freezing that day. Um, And that's kind of like the don't give up. So the, the, the problem and the outcome are on that shirt
2: well it's a it's a really powerful mission and and the message never loses its impact with me and i'm sure with so many of our listeners so you you know this this crew will support if you're not a facebook person i'm going to tweet out a link to just the shirt page if you want to see it so you can see what ernesto's talking about uh what what's next for you my friend what's what's on the horizon
5: oh so many things <laughs> Um, lots of um, roundtable discussions with with other like-minded people, a couple of debates that I'm doing here in my local community. Uh, I'm going to be going up to Nashville to do it as well. Um, and then I may I'm, – I'm considering taking a, a road trip to Tucson to hand the proceeds over uh, in person. I think it would be nice to see them again. Um, and then the book, still still typing away at the book and just continuing forward, trying to help veterans as much as I can.
2: Well I think that's that's great news and and I I know that your mission is the mission of so many and it it means a lot to everybody who has uh someone in the military someone who served and is trying to trying to deal with the aftermath of their service and especially to those who lost someone especially to suicide and that we're trying to end those 22 deaths a day that are happening at the hands of our veterans. So Ernesto, I continue to salute you every day, my friend, and, and you and your work are, are in our thoughts and in our prayers all the time. We, we so appreciate you.
5: Thank you so much.
2: Take care. I've just tweeted out a link to Ernesto's latest page and the, uh, this shirt. I got to see, uh, I got to see what the budget says because we might want to give some of these away. They're, they're beautiful. They are powerful. They are amazing. Uh, Also, I don't know if you caught the morning blaze this morning. Doc Thompson was reporting on the story that uh, President Trump has kept his word and is draining the swamp and doing so with with removal of people who work for the VA but weren't getting the job done in the VA. I know we have talked ad nauseum for three years about People who were in the Veterans Administration and they stood idly by as so many of the men and women who served this country were not getting the care we promised them. And it's estimated that 500 people, 500 people were let go from the VA for not doing the job that we promised our veterans that they would uh, get in terms of care. And I think that's a great sign. I think that's a terrific sign. Government getting rid of people that aren't working. It's so hard to get rid of somebody in in government once they're in there. That's the that's the lifelong complaint of people saying we hire people and we never, ever punish someone for non-performance. Well, thankfully, in the VA, the place that we need performance above all else, it looks like we're finally getting something done. So, um, well done. Mr. President, or whomever is behind it. Well done. When we get back, I got a couple of crazy stories I have to get to. Um, there's an, a, another weird story out of Delta, and this one involves cracking wine bottles over the heads of uh, out of control passengers. Uh, there's a, a program, I don't know if you've seen it on Friday and Saturday nights called Live PD. If you haven't seen it, something amazing happened this weekend. And um, what would you say if you went to your job and you found, I don't know, uh, 107 million spiders on the job site? Yeah, I would say the same thing. And thank God uh, you're not saying it on the radio. I'll explain when we get back. Michael Opelka on Pure Opelka.
0: You're listening to Pure Opelka
2: on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Busy day. I can't believe uh, we we need to we need to monitor the liberty-loving Latino. I, I, he's coming in today, and he's all wired up. Uh, maybe he went to his other job, and there were 107 million spiders when he got there. That's what was found at a four-acre. Site of the Baltimore wastewater plant, they found a four acre nest of spiders. Um, I I don't know if I should tweet out a link to this slideshow, but uh, 95% of the building's interior is covered, 95%, and somebody no, nobody counted 107 million spiders. But can you imagine the guy walking into that building? Dum, 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 dum. Let's see what's in the uh, wastewater treatment plant building. Oh, my God, there's got to be 107 million spiders in here. Jeez. <laughs> anyway, Baltimore, what are you doing? I want to know who didn't see it leading up to this. You must not have been spending any time looking. But in every cubic meter of the warehouse or the, whatever this building is they found 35,000 spiders 35 okay everyone's getting chills right now i'm sorry i'm sorry didn't mean to scare you but there it is i didn't i didn't get into the story about the five most radioactive sites in the world but suffice it to say most of them are in places that end with the word stan except for Fukushima. But they're they're in places in the old Soviet Union. I did mention Delta. Delta had a little problem with uh, a guy in in first class who kind of lost his mind and tried to open the door, the door to the plane, yes, while they were in mid-flight. They clocked him on the head with a couple of wine bottles. Finally, finally got him calmed down. But uh, apparently he is the son of a customer service rep for Delta, was flying on a discounted first-class ticket and reportedly told the flight attendant when he was trying to get to the door and open the emergency door in the air, don't you know who I am? First rule in any conflict If you have to um, use the don't you know who I am card, you're going to lose that battle. You're absolutely going to lose that battle. I'm just saying. And um, the the show Live PD. Live PD is a show that's on Friday nights and Saturday nights on A&E from 9 to midnight. And that just proves to you that I have no life. But Live PD is a show that I have watched... Uh, since its beginning earlier this year, they actually have live cameras in six different cities following police officers on their job. And somebody goes, this is great. Why don't they do it every day? Well, Friday and Saturday, you're going to have stuff happen. That's pretty much a given. So being out and about Friday and Saturday nights in police cars, they've seen some crazy things One of which was a 95 mile an hour chase between the police and the guy who was leaving a party where gunshots were heard. 95 miles an hour on a country road in South Carolina. And about five minutes into the chase, the car makes a turn and flips. At which point the guy gets out of the car holding a baby. Now, the car has already flipped, but he's holding a baby Using it as a human shield. It's one of the most chilling things I've ever seen on TV, and it's 100% live. I'll tweet out a link to that. Before we get out of here today, I want to tell you about something. I want to tell you about the Dinka and Nur tribes who live in South Sahara, southern Sudan area, sub-Saharan Africa. For years, the Dinka and newer tribes have pulled out their children's permanent teeth, the front teeth, the two front teeth and the lower teeth, pulled them out. Why? Well, years ago, when we had tetanus and we did not have tetanus vaccines going all around the world, there was um, there was tetanus sweeping through these tribes and the kids would get lockjaw so they couldn't eat. Now that Lockjaw's gone, the tribes are still pulling the children's teeth. Why? Well, someone's saying because tradition, because that's how we've always done it. I'm just saying if if you're doing something without investigating why, and it's something that could be harmful, it would behoove you to take a moment and look. Maybe the Dinkin-Nur tribes will stop pulling the teeth of children eventually. It's not needed. And frankly, having those teeth could probably help them going forward. I'm just saying. Just because somebody else did it forever and ever and ever doesn't mean it's right. Testudo, my friends. Testudo.
0: you Opelka
1: with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.